0: n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e dot com slash w-t-f all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking eastas what the fuck tuckians what the fucking adians what's happening i'm mark Marin. this is wtf this is my podcast welcome to it how are you good morning good afternoon Good evening. Hope work's going okay. Keep doing it. You can finish this run. That's it. Put another 10 pounds on. You got this. I know. Trains do suck. What? You're just painting in your studio? How's that going? Just pace yourself. Take your time. Think it through. Yeah. Do all those things in all those different places if you're listening to me in one of those environs. Look, I I got a pretty amazing show here today on my hands. I got a pretty, like, I learned some shit on this show. Today on the show I've got Kamasi Washington, the master sax man, the new jazz guy. He's the guy. He's the I look, I don't I I actually I I think he is, but I don't know a lot about uh, the big broad world of jazz. Since I've talked about him a little bit, I get emails educating me even more about the jazz thing. I don't know if I have time to go fully on down into the rabbit hole, but I do enjoy it. I'll talk about that in a second. Also on the show today for more jazz information, Ben Ratliff, who used to write over at the New York Times, but yeah, you know, right it's funny cuz Ben right the day literally like the day or two before or after he did the podcast, he left the New York Times. Uh, so he's the former New York Times jazz critic he's got a bunch of books out that I'm in in the middle of many of them so it's a big jazz Thursday here on WTF with Kamasi Washington and then after that a conversation with uh, Ben Ratliff how's that grab you I will throw a little uh, plug in here for a couple of dates that are coming up quickly Uh, this weekend Saturday the 24th of September. Uh, There's two shows at the Wilbur. I don't know how many tickets are there, but there's a few tickets left. I don't know for which show. October 21st, I'll be at Campbell Hall at uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. That's uh, those tickets. I think, yeah, there's definitely tickets for that. Largo, October 22nd here in Los Angeles and the Ice House, October 23rd here in Pasadena and the Now Hear This Festival, October 29th in Anaheim. With my uh, producer and business partner, Brendan McDonald, we're going to do a live uh, talk thing. So those, that in Carnegie Hall. There are a few tickets left, but they're, uh, you know, they're, they're aerial views. Uh, November 4th at Carnegie Hall, but still worthwhile. It'd be nice to look down upon me from the rafters. But uh, excited. I'm excited about that. Is that okay with you? Also, there's another thing I want to do. I talked to my, my buddy, um, Danny LaBelle. He, uh, I I ran into him and he's been on the show. He was on this show back on episode 398. And a couple of weeks ago, as you know, I had Gad, Gad Elmaleh on the show. He's the French comedian, the French Jew, the French Moroccan Jewish comedian who's now touring the States who had a nice talk. And if you want to hear Gad in a little different element, he's the guest on my buddy Danny LaBelle's podcast today. That show is called Modern Day Philosophers. It's basically, he talks to comedians about one particular philosopher, whether they know about it. Or not, he brings up something the guy wrote, and you kind of talk about it. I was on it a, a while back. I talked about Spinoza. He's had Maria Bamford on, talking about Sartre. Did I say that right? Colin Quinn talking about Dante's Inferno. It's a it's a clever show. It's a good show. He's a sweet guy. So you can check that out wherever you get the podcast, Modern Day Philosophers. And that was a, a plug out of love. Oh, the other thing. This, this is also a plug out of love, because I'm involved with it. You know, look. A lot of you guys have been with me a long time and a lot of you guys have seen my growth or my spinning or my uh, my uh, my cycling around with uh, incremental growth, to quote the president. Not unlike a democracy for me, in- incremental growth has meaning. It's the only thing we can hang any sort of uh, hope on is incremental growth. And I think I've grown incrementally as I cycle through the patterns that I still persist in. There's a little bit of incremental growth and then uh, the pattern changes a bit in terms of my understanding of it anyways not to be too vague but uh i'm in this thing that premieres tonight joe swanberg joe swanberg who's been on this show and is uh, a great and very real uh independent film d- director he's a great guy he might he, he directed a couple years ago Happy Christmas with Anna Kendrick. That was that was funny. Drinking buddies. He did all the light in the sky. He's he's made a lot of movies for a little money, and uh, he's a solid dude and a very a very kind of a brilliant director. Because I'd never done anything like I did with Joe. Really, uh, the show is called Easy. It premieres on Netflix tonight. And I'm plugging it because I'm in it, and I'm very proud of my episode. I think it's number four, but they're all really good. Each one sort of follows a, a character's life for one episode in Chicago, and I play a uh, somewhat uh, uh, over, what what is it, washed up, maybe. Eh, maybe not even washed up. I play a graphic novelist who had a, had a, who had a couple of big books, and now he's released another book, and he doesn't quite have the following he has, so he's a, a little bitter, a little nervous about the future, and uh, he feels a little irrelevant and uh, the way that Joe shoots is all improvised. And I really, look, I know I can improvise on a stand-up stage or in conversation or whatnot, but on a set, you, you just go with very basic information and you lock your own emotional choices into the thing. And I was surprised because the sh- the, the episode I did with Emily Ratajkowski and uh, Jane Adams, who I love, was pretty, like, I watched it, and I was like, this, has, this is kind of deep. It's funny, it's sad, it's deep, it's sweet. I mean, it had all these things that when I'm in it, I mean, I could only feel what we were doing. I don't know how the hell he put, pulls all this stuff together as a director. You really gotta have a, a unique way of thinking to improvise that much, and also, as you're doing it, you know, think about continuity, how you're cut in and out of things, but the whole series is great, and I, I'm very proud of the work I did on that. I'm just telling you because uh, I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about uh, that being out there to watch. So that's on Netflix tonight. All the episodes of Easy will be on. And uh, they're, they're unique. They're like little movies. And, uh, you know, they're they're worth watching. How often does that happen? The modern media landscape is challenging. You know, it's sort of like driving past a landfill. And, you know, your first thought is, ugh, look at all that garbage. But your second thought is, I bet you there's some good shit in there. I bet you there's a box of money in that dump. Well, easy is definitely a box of money. So Kamasi, Washington. Here's how I came to Kamasi, Washington. Look, as I said before, I like jazz. I got a mind for it. I don't understand it or, or really how it's put together. I'm going to talk to Ben Ratliff about that. I do know it resonates with me. Like I got a cousin, my cousin Jane. She'd listen to jazz and it would make her anxious. She literally could not listen to jazz because it caused her too much anxiety. I guess what I have is that jazz is actually a riddle in effect. Like I'm already a little hyper and a little nuts and jazz kind of levels me out and I can sort of get fully in to the exploratory groove that the cats are, are putting out. And I can tell the difference between a few people, but I don't know a lot. I just know that when I put it on, it's always consistent. I always lock into it, whether it's bebop, whether it's older, whether it's big band. You know, I'll listen to some Artie Shaw. I read Art Pepper's book, which changed my life, Straight Time by Art and Lori Pepper. There's a book about heroin and a little bit about jazz. And I remember one time I saw, this was really like this weird, these moments I remember about jazz is, like Dizzy Gillespie was on, uh, was on, he was being interviewed on some show and I just saw him do this, like, he was just trying to do, like, make an example of a swing beat and he did it with his hands. He clapped in a certain way and I was like, that's so fucking cool. I gotta learn how to do that. It was like a Like, I had to learn how to do that because Dizzy did it to make an example of something. My buddy Dan cook down at gimme gimme records turn me on to kamasi washington he had this new record it was it was kamasi's first album and it's a triple fucking record it's called epic so i know what i was getting into but i knew the cover of the record meant business i knew kamasi meant business so i took this album three albums home and i put on and i was like blown the fuck away so many layers so much time travel everything was there it was one of these records where you listen to it and i'm like it's all here Everything is all here. Everything about jazz is here. It's all leading up to this. Kamasi Washington's epic. And I went to see him when he returned to uh, L.A. He's from L.A. And he had broke his ankle. So he was just sitting in the middle on, a, on basically a throne playing sax with an elevated foot surrounded by at least 20 musicians of all different kinds, singers. There was an orchestra, musicians, you know, cello. There was two keyboards, two drummers, a a, a couple of horns, a, a Thundercat on bass with his five string. I just was like, "Holy shit!" This all happens in real time, mind blowing. Had to talk to him. So this is me and the master. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So how's your leg, man? I saw you when you came back to L.A. Uh, that first night you fucked your foot up.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's getting better. I mean, it's still not 100%, but it's definitely getting better. I can get around now. I can, I can you know what I mean? I what happened? Man, I was in a, I was in a Stavanger, Norway. And I uh, was walking down this cobblestone road, Uh and it started snowing. Yeah. And I'm from LA, so I don't know anything about the snow. So I thought, like (laughs) Air Force Ones, uh, yeah, I've got good grip. They're basketball shoes; they should work perfectly in the snow. (laughs) And like, I literally, like, we got to this real steep hill. Yeah. Like uh, these people were showing us this like really old part of the city, like all the homes are like 500 years old, or something crazy like that. Yeah. So we got to this really steep hill and I was like, are we really about to walk down this steep, this extra <laughs> that steep, steep hill? And like, I started walking down it and I literally started sliding down and I should have just fell on my butt and slid down right. to the bottom. Oh, you tried to stand? I tried to stop myself oh. and then it ended like flipping and like, oh. I looked down and my, my foot was like going the wrong way and I was like, no! Oh, man. <laughs> and I kind of like popped it back in place. Oh my god! And felt the most extreme pain. I was. it was like. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, laughing hysterically from the pain. It was like the weirdest. Oh, that,
0: that's all you could. That's where you went. Yeah, that's yeah. all I could do. Yeah. Well, you, how <laughs> many people you were with?
1: There was like five of us. No time for crying. No, no time for crying. <laughs> it was one of those moments. Like it was a a a, a definitely like a a a, a very like. Fundamental reaction was going to happen. It was going to be a, a baby type cry, like a whang whang cry yeah, yeah, cry, yeah. or a laugh. Those are the only things I had. I was like, I don't want the baby cry because I'm not I don't know all these people that well. So I guess I will just laugh hysterically. Oh, good. So they think you're crazy,
0: but not not uh, not a wimp. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, like, I have a lot of questions, man, and, and, and I imagine I'm not unlike a lot of people. I, I imagine that when you live the life of a jazz artist, you're not going to be like, I'm going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm gonna, the, the whole world, yeah. there's only one or two jazz guys that, uh, that have that, and they're not that good. <laughs> might, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a global community around the music, and there's people that can appreciate the music, but it's sort of, uh, it's one of those things that not everybody gets.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, do you ever teach? um you know i taught a little bit uh uh when i was right out of high school i taught music theory uh-huh uh there's a school called the sessa uh the sessa school and yeah it's, it's southeast symphonies like weekend music classes and uh-huh. i taught uh i thought theory i taught piano and i taught drums
0: <laughs> You're, you started as a drummer yeah yeah so let's let's start there like you grew up here yeah and where at
1: Englewood. Uh, you come from a musical family, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. What's your? Because I think uh, didn't your old man play with
1: you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played saxophone, flute, clarinet. Yeah, yeah. He, he was playing soprano saxophone at that, right. at that show though. Yeah, right, right. So you grow up. How many? How many brothers and sisters you got? I got six brothers and sisters. Is everybody music? Um, everybody's talented. Everybody plays a little bit of music. Pops made sure that we all play something. I'm the only one that really. Kind of stuck with music as my main thing. Uh-huh. Like, I have an older brother who's a photographer, but he also plays piano. Uh-huh. I have a sister who's a painter, but she also plays uh, like a little piano, <laughs> makes beats, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? They all got it in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: that's good. So there was always that in the house that there was sort of a necessity to have yeah. the understanding of it. Yeah, yeah. And and now what? Who would your father play with? He,
1: did his dreams come true? Did he do the thing? Well, uh, he, you know, he, he went to Lock High School, so he grew up playing with like Patrice Patrice Rushen and the Dugu Chancellor and all those people. And they were local jazz guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, he played with he played with Earth One Fire for a little while. He, he did he did a lot of those stuff like that. But then when my when the brother that was older than me, when he was born, uh, he made a decision to stop touring and just start teaching, so he can stay in town and not. And be basically right. be, be here in for our the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. where would he teach? He taught at uh, Hollywood High School. He taught at uh, Southgate High School, uh, and his, his last thing was at Helen Bornstein. Really? Uh, so he's an educator. Yeah, yeah. And 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 when you were a kid. Was your mom in music too? My mom plays flute, but just for fun. Like she's like more like you know she's a science teacher. They're both teachers. Uh huh. So she would pick up her flute, you know, on special occasions, on Easter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, some people wear a hat on Easter. My mom would play your flute on Easter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A flute.
0: That's a that's a tough one. It seems, but I, and not really, because like when I saw you, like here was the reaction. I here's my here's how I found out about you. I went down over here to Permanent Records, which is a used in some new record store down on Figueroa the guy dan over there and uh he says Have you, did, you, did you get the kamasi washington record i'm like no i, I don't know who kamasi washington is and then like i, I go up and I, I pick up this record which i brought out here it's like he goes this is his first record and i look at the cover of the your record the epic and i'm like this fucker <laughs> means business <laughs> This is, a, <laughs> this is his first record and there's three of them in here and it's a history of, of uh, everything you know and and like i, I bring it home because you know i listen to jazz but again because i'm i'm sort of uh not not down the rabbit hole so i bring your thing home the, the epic and i put it on and right away i'm like what's happening <laughs> you know like there because the first thing that struck me was the choral arrangements yeah yeah and yeah. i never heard that before in in jazz and then I like all the other stuff that's going on and i'm thinking like this guy must have spent hours producing this and then i go see you live and it's all happening live <laughs> like the choral's there, the two keyboards, the magical bass player, that wizard Thundercat. Yeah. And, like, and then everyone's playing different instruments. People are coming in. Some people are singing. I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is going on here? So like, and, and what I understood, I guess I'm just going to talk at you for a minute, is it seemed to me that you were honoring the the, the 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 actual honest progression of of the jazz that I knew, of bebop and, and of, of, of that, of, of Miles and those guys, that you weren't doing fusion, really. You were integrating something of the history of jazz into creating something that had all elements working, yeah, balanced.
1: Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, what I, I well, <laughs> well, tried to make it be like is like a person. You know, like a musician has all those things. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like for me, like, I'm trying to make it like who I am. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I have, like... Jazz, there's jazz in me, there's funk in me, there's fusion, there's classical music, there's choirs, because I grew up playing in churches and stuff like that. There's there's all these things in there, and they kind of just exist together. yeah You know what I mean? So, you know, that's why there's so much in there, because I was just like, well, I want to make a record that's kind of like me. Right. So I was like, I pour this in there, I'm pouring that, 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 and I'm stirred all together. And that's what you and get. See what, yeah, see what happened. And I, and I and I always knew that that would work because I I just felt like music is is so much more connected than people kind of let it be. Let it be. You know, like we, we we get these terms and so like, you know, when and if you, if you go back in history, like, you know, like James Brown had his whole band with jazz musicians. Like yeah, all those guys are all kind of everything. Yeah, everybody was everything. Right. And then all of a sudden, like as those. Individual words kind of get bigger, yeah. Then they kind of start spreading out, right? But the reality is they all it's like it's like branches on the same tree. So yeah. i was like, well, let's just get back to the tree for a little while because the branches are so, yeah, yeah. They've got they've lost their their yeah. they've, they've
0: they've gone into the ground and grown a different tree. Yeah, <laughs> so you can't you can't feel the connectivity of everything. Yeah, yeah. So when you started out when you were a kid. You know what was what was going on in the house? What was the first music that you you, know, you registered with you that way like, compelled you to, to to live the life of a musician? Other than your dad being a musician?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, for us in my, in my house, it was like everybody's playing the instrument. I mean, we were little little kids. Like, I mean, there's a bit of an age gap between some of us, but like the, my, my three brothers, the, the two brothers that are my, around my age, yeah. We were all playing music, and it was like kind of like a daily thing. So I'm, I don't even remember when that started. Yeah, it's right. Just, I, I just know I always kind of played music. Yeah. Um, But when I was about 13, um, well, not before that, really. When I was like 11, I got into jazz. Yeah. And that's when I started taking music seriously. It wasn't just like, it was almost like, you know, you can imagine like, you know, all, you're a kid, everybody rides bikes. Yeah. And it's like, right. you know, like a, you're not like a bike rider. You're not yeah. like a, you know, like a, stu- you <laughs> yeah. know, like. Once you're up, you're up. You yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah. You ride bikes because it's just you ride bikes. Yeah. You know? and so it was like, I played music just to kind of play music. Yeah. I just played it. It was like, Fun sometimes when you know pops got too involved, he got a little <laughs> he got a heavy, you know what I mean? But, but he, he got the way and let us just kind of play around with music. Like, he'd get into it, and be like, You're not on the beat, you know, yeah, like that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, you're not yeah. playing the changes, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, but you needed to learn that too, yeah, no, right. yeah. And we, to learn, we, and we learned right because of him, yeah, you know. Um, when I was about 11, I got into jazz. What did it? I had a cousin that, um, his dad had a really, really crazy uh, record collection, uh huh, and so he kept asking me like to um I know how to read music, and he didn't yeah, so he would he would bring me over to the house and ask me to he had this thing called a real book, that uh-huh. had a bunch of jazz songs. You know? Yeah, and so I played clarinet at that point. I wouldn't even be playing saxophone, and, so and would, drums, huh? Yeah, and, and drums. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was mainly, I mean, it, it was kind of more. I mean, I still played, I always kind of kept playing drums and piano, uh huh. But I was always, I would always have a main instrument, so right. at that point, my main instrument was clarinet. Really, that one, huh? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to do I wanted to be saxophone, I wanted to play saxophone, but my dad didn't want, he wouldn't let me because he played. Because he, he was a woodwind player, yeah. And like in, you know, back in the '70s, you a woodwind. If you were gonna be a saxophone player, you really had to be a woodwind player and like double. Oh, and so like you had that. to get you had to know. It
0: was like that was your entry level. You, yeah, yeah. Learn the read on the clarinet, and then you can step up to that.
1: Because the is easier than clarinet, right? Clarinet's like a harder instrument. So oh. if like, if you start off on saxophone, you're never gonna want to go play clarinet. that old honorary clarinet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. so uh, uh, I used to go over his house and like you know I was I would read songs for him like and so show him how to play stuff oh because so, he wanted to know how to play it so you would trans, almost transcribe it yeah yeah so he gave me a tape with a bunch of jazz songs on it and I looked up to him and he you know what I mean so at that point you know what I mean I was really like in the NWA and stuff like that yeah yeah and so I got this art Blakey record and um I just really got into it yeah and, and somehow i got my friends into it too so we were all like we all turned into these art blakey fans and uh and you you're a bunch of nwa guys yeah we're a bunch of little kids sunday uh, four street elementary school like sagging pants yeah. and every other word is cuz yeah but we like art blakey right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it started. <laughs> yeah and then um you know so th- so at that point i'm now i'm trying to play this saxophone stuff on clarinet and it's Hard for me. What 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 were you playing on clarinet? I was playing like classical stuff. I was playing like stuff from method books and yeah, little little yeah. this little little kid stuff. I was yeah, like 10. So yeah, I was yeah, little, right, little right. kid stuff. You weren't l- l- yeah. opening it. All up, of a so. sudden I'm now trying to play Donna Lee and I'm like, this is yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the saxophone players are making it sound easy. Right. And so one day my dad left his saxophone out and I just Took it. I was like, let me see if I can really. If, if he's because he's always said like, man, once you learn to play clarinet, you can switch to on It all transfers over. Yeah, but I didn't really believe him. Right. So one day he left it out, and I just took it, and I could play this song that I really like called "Sleeping Dance or Sleep On." Is it Blakey song? It's a uh, Wayne Shorter song. Oh, Wayne Shorter, but, right? But it was yeah. It's some R. Blakey record, right? And um, I played it, and uh. I, I ran into the room him and his friends were sitting there chilling and I was like look I learned how to play saxophone it's too yeah. late it's too late <laughs> done yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of just like okay he kind of laughing like yeah. you know that's when he took me, took me to my uncle's church and made me start playing at church like that Sunday the sax <laughs> on saxophone I didn't know what the notes were or nothing he was like a real like dive in head first kind of person so I was up there in front of you know the whole church playing saxophone didn't know <laughs> with uh, with what? Uh, what 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 was the music? Just gospel music. Just yeah, gospel music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, you know, so it, it, I kind of dove in head first, and once I dove in like that, you know, it kind of really it grabbed me full fledged. Like I switched schools, I switched like a music academy school. You like, did, yeah. Started, Which one did you go? I went to the Hamilton High School. Uh huh. And so like that moment, like
0: because it's hard to like the, like were you aware like that this was because if you're just hanging out, you listen to pop music. And then you get you get you grew up with the jazz in the house, but you you had that all of a sudden you had this personal relationship with Blakey. Yeah, were you able
1: at that moment to see that there was like a whole world of that stuff? It took a minute, like you know, at first I was just in Art Blakey. And my yeah, things I like Art Blakey. Right, I was Blakey. <laughs> yeah. I was, That's, you know, what I mean, he was my your thing. guy. He's my guy. You yeah, know what I mean, and then like from Art Blakey. You know, I got into Wayne Shorter, which kind of led me to Miles Davis, which led me to like Charlie Parker. And
0: I guess like playing gospel music in a church is going to give you a good foundation for that, you know, the basic core of the changes, right? Well, it, it
1: develops your ear, because right. everything's by ear. And yeah. thing is like, intu- it, it develops your ear and your intuition, because everything is intuition and everything uh-huh. is ear. It's like, there's no one telling you what to do, but they get really mad when you do the wrong thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: in jazz... And in, in gospel. In yeah. gospel. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, jazz is a little more forgiving, actually. In gospel is like if you don't feel what's the right thing you're supposed to be doing, if it's. Okay, so you're following something. Yeah. You're following the room. And you're following that the song may
0: not be complicated, but but it's supposed to serve a purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an inspirational
1: thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you got to learn how to lock your feelings into it and and follow that lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say, they say you know follow the spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you you know if you're not following it, it's like what you been, what you've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> what you've been watching? What's what you know? What I mean? Yeah, you you got some evil in you. Yeah. <laughs> you've been up to no good. You don't have the clarity necessary to follow the spirit. It. Yeah, was yeah. church a regular part of your life yeah i mean before that it, it was interesting because i had gone i grew up in church but i never played in church until then until you're 11 so I was, no, I was i was 13 uh-huh I was 13.
0: well you I say went, that like you know like i was there a long time before i played
1: <laughs> <laughs> a, it felt like a long time i felt like i've been there because because i was the one thing that i, I, I was surprised at myself is that like i was playing in church and I, it was songs i'd never played before but i had heard them so much i could just play them yeah and like which like, ones, just old spirituals? Yeah, yeah, just all kind of stuff. Like the old spirituals, some of the new church songs. I mean, yeah. it was just all the songs that we had been singing all those years. Yeah. All of a sudden I could just play them. And I was like, it kind of, I was realized all my, my ears tapped into my fingers. And like, I, I don't even, I couldn't tell you what the notes were going to be. Right. But I could just play them. So that's that instinct. Yeah. That's yeah. got
0: to serve your whole life. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So like, it, but
0: and I'm picturing the church, you know, maybe in a, a, a sort of a narrow-minded way that it, it was very, like, there was a lot of interaction the 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 the
1: the the people
0: at the church were involved.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, will cheer you on. Even especially when you're young. Yeah, that's all right, baby. It's okay. I know you played the wrong note, but it's okay. <laughs> Keep on playing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like. <laughs> So, all right, so you go from that, so now you
0: got a head full of gospel music, you're 13, you got a head full of Art Blakey, and you're starting to listen to Miles, and, and then you start going to the school. Yeah. And then do they do they kind of refocus
1: you on, on theory then? And Well, around about that time is when I got into John Coltrane, and then it was like nobody could tell me anything except him. You know what I mean? I was like really into train. so I got to my school, and like... They, I guess, I mean, they're they're real supportive of me at Hamilton because they, they they could see I was talented. But like, uh, the, uh, me and and a friend of mine, the piano player I was playing with me at at Nokia, what's his name, Cameron Graves, the, mm-hmm. the last guy. Oh yeah, at, yeah. Um, we were just full fledged John Coltrane heads, so we were just we were, were wild and we were in this high school jazz band and we were like going out there, go all the way out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, double time stuff and take long solos, and, yeah completely change the chord changes and drive the band director crazy what, what what is the how do you go into like
0: where do you start with Coltrane what what like like outside of just you know knowing you play sax and, and knowing that that guy was above and beyond anybody you know
1: wh- where do you start to understand what he's doing you know it's almost like I needed to have I because my dad was trying to get me into Coltrane when I was young and uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't get it I didn't even like it. I was like, "This is weird." Right. It's almost you have to like have a bit of a musical foundation. Right. Train is so emotional uh-huh. that if you, if your mind can't if you can't wrap your mind around what he's doing, then all that emotion just feels crazy. Right. So what's the trick of improvising like that? Landing is letting go. Yeah. It's almost like 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 what, what, like Bird and all those other guys that they they ran to the edge of the edge of the cliff yeah and they would they may have one pinky toe left on the cliff right but they would always run to the edge and stop right like with train you gotta be able to run and jump off uh huh and, and just be okay falling down this cliff and have the confidence <laughs> that somehow i'm gonna land on my feet so it is about landing yeah <laughs> you like because because you're gonna
0: have to re-enter right yeah like at some point the trick to that type of improvisation jazz wise is like when all of a sudden you look at the drummer and the bass guy and go okay i'm back
1: yeah exactly. or they can sense it yeah they can sense it uh-huh it's like we all jumped off yeah right we're all like we're <laughs> we gonna land we all like point look at that there's a tree we can land on that tree let's <laughs> yeah. go land on the tree <laughs> we got to make it to the tree <laughs> and you know that's 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 what we
0: So do. you started experimenting with that like at 14 or 15?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I and I stayed there until I was about I'm still probably still there. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh I mean no I mean I, after that i mean I, I was stuck on that for a while yeah and like that was like what we were we, we, we were all on that too so what were you playing in like uh four piece we had a quartet called the, the young jazz giants uh-huh and we terrorized all the jazz clubs of la <laughs> we would show up in numbers and just and you know play the songs extra long and <laughs> and were that were the people that were running the
0: place or the uh, the patrons are like who are these kids
1: oh man everybody we used, to, we used to go to places and sneak in we used to go to hear Kenny Garrett like the first time I met Chris Dave we had to go hear Kenny Garrett and Chris Dave was playing drums with him and mind you we never met Chris Dave before ever and so we all walk in there none of us have any money and we're like yeah we're on Chris Dave's list (laughs) (laughs) and the next day we come in we're like we're on Kenny Garrett's list. We didn't know Kenny. We, we would just do it every day. We would go places and just, that was like our thing. Like, we're gonna get in. So there was a big, there was a big jazz club uh, scene. There still is one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, there was the Mert part. And especially when I, I got a car. I was the first one to get a car. When I got yeah. a car, we were all over the city. We would go,
0: like I don't know anything about that world, so there's still like you know jazz going on every yeah. night in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. There's still jazz going like, on. Like real shit.
0: Yeah. No kidding.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's
0: such a it's such a a unique and somewhat insulated world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And you you kind of like I imagine jazz musicians. Kind of know of each other, yeah. And especially in the city, yeah. Like you know, when a new guy's coming up, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Or when somebody moves in town, yeah. It was like it
1: was like a ripple goes through the <laughs> through the scene. <laughs> like, Who's this guy? Yeah. What's he got? It's like a new guy got came out of the matrix. You know what I mean? Like somebody woke up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So when did you start learning about uh you know like classical music and, and the sort of layering that you know that would lead up to to something like the epic? When did you start putting that stuff together?
1: When I got to Hamilton, I, um, I, all of a sudden I, they had an orchestra. Yeah, they had a wind ensemble. You know, I was taking piano. I was taking. I was taking, I was. At, I was in jazz band. Yeah. I was in wind ensemble. I was in orchestra. How are you at and the, I piano? Good. the piano? Good. I was pretty good. Yeah. So I was like how, four music classes in high school,
0: right? You know, yeah, that was mostly what you were doing. Yeah, <laughs> how was the other? How was the other stuff going?
1: I was. I, I'm a pretty good. I was pretty good at in school. I mean, yeah, I was like, you know, my mom was a science teacher, so I was. She always was pushing me on, on that level, and, and I had. I always had an affinity for learning. Yeah. So I, I was. I was pretty good in school actually.
0: Yeah, that's good. So you started playing in the orchestra, and you could read music from a very early age. So yeah, that wasn't. That that daunting to you?
1: No, no, but it was different. It was because yeah. it was like that, you know. It was a, I never played in an orchestra before, so it was a different way of playing. Right. You know? Not so. not as uh, expressive per se, and you got to be part of a yeah a, a, a team. Yeah, in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you, have seventy eight bars of rest, and then this really important part that you play. So it was like <laughs> you're waiting. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of waiting. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did you take from uh, when when you started to? I imagine like I don't know jazz structure, but you know I mean I imagine that the basics you know coming out of coltrane and 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 bebop and stuff, there there there's a set of basics that yeah. you're gonna you're gonna run with and break and do whatever you want. But I imagine once you get to classical music, you're like, what the what is this world?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was that yeah, they wanted me to play with a different kind of tone on um, the sax yeah yeah it was the first time i was really reading music that had really crazy odd meters like you know we're gonna play in 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 and and seventeen 16. <laughs> i'm like <laughs> <What>? why okay <laughs> but you could do it you, you could wrap yeah, your brain yeah, around yeah, it. i don't yeah. even know what that would be what, what would that yeah. be it means that there's each measure has 17 six notes in, 16th notes in it like most it, it's it was ridiculous stuff, stuff like that like so, but but the cool part of it that was yeah that, as i wasn't Meeting these classical musicians, right? Who were giving me albums? Like people were giving me, oh, check out the Rite of Spring. Oh, here, check out this, you know, Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet. And like this stuff was like really opening my mind up to the, to, to to just different worlds of music, you know? Right. So
0: just like you were with Blakey, you got these people that are like yeah. that with uh, with Mozart or yeah. whoever.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So like when you started listening to that stuff. You know, what What was the difference for you in, in, like, you know, if you got somebody like Coltrane taking you out there over the cliff, you know, looking to land, you know, what what was your first impression of what those classical composers were doing? What
1: they were doing, because I, 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 I was into the out composers. I was into, like, Stravinsky. So Stravinsky is, like, writing this music that's so dense and so, like... Heavy that uh-huh. it, it it could stand right up next to what Train was doing. Oh right, right. So it was like I was like, oh wow. So the other people that had the same kind of intensity and energy that like I like over here, it's yeah. over here too.
0: And it's old it's old. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah.
1: It, it really made me want to start writing i was like oh man like this is i'm into this you yeah,
0: know that was what inspired you to
1: kind of like start composing yeah like yeah. uh like with discipline yeah as yeah. opposed
0: to just riffing
1: yeah <laughs> well i was already kind of like writing little tunes and jazz but i was like man i, I want to learn like so like by the time i was done with high school i knew when, when i went to college i wanted to learn how to write for the orchestra because I, I was just like man that would be and did you feel like it was
0: because i know when you're working with a quartet that there's like a, a one mind trust thing. That you're you're kinda of reading each each other's signals and, and knowing the feel of the music. But when you're working with an orchestra and you've got a, a conductor, you know, keeping the pace and, you know, you have to honor this piece, that collaboration is very different than than working with a quartet. Yeah, right? Yeah. So you're you're kind of part of this like giant body. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's and, it's interpretation as opposed to um, create it's like being to, to creation
0: right improvisation you
1: know I mean? it's, it's like there's still a bit of there's still the same there's still a connection you have to make and you still you still have to be creative in a way but yeah your, your creativity is, is coming through in, in how you interpret the music
0: so what makes uh, anyone orchestras or anyone conductors um different uh in terms of it's how they approach or or pace the music or or, they
1: pace the music how they how they phrase it yeah it's kind of like subtlety more subtle subtle differences but you can tell but you can tell yeah yeah and it can change. i mean the tempo of a song can completely change the whole feel of it and like like right how because a lot of classical music also had a lot of music that was like the the tempo is 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 much freer right so it's like the music kind of like has this kind of like elastic time feel to it. Oh wow. So it's like it's moving in this way that's not so set where like it's jazz is like Yeah. And you have to like lock yeah. into this groove yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean also there's also jazz that has that similar thing, but like in classical music there was a lot of this elasticity. Right. And it's like how are you gonna play this? And Right. How are you phrasing it? And so it's it's subtle. But it's th- also part of a bigger arc. Yeah.
0: Right. Like if you're playing a symphony, I mean you're in for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I guess some of that must have informed the, the, the structure of the epic in a way, right? You oh, see yeah. this as one piece, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, that's directly relatable to classical that you have that flow and that elasticity, but it's honoring the story or the arc of the symphony. Yeah, yeah. Wow, man. This is good. I'm learning.
1: So, <laughs> so where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to UCLA. And you studied only music? Uh, I studied ethnomusicology and, and composition.
0: Oh, so that must have been mind blowing.
1: And jazz studies, I was like, I was all over the place. I was like playing in the jazz bands, I was, I was taking ethnomusicology classes, and I was taking composition classes.
0: So you got a degree in ethnomusicology. Yep. Now, what did that introduce you to? So I'm assuming that that means that you're dealing
1: with um, indigenous music from everywhere. Well this music from all over places. I mean it's it's um it's uh we were studying like North Indian classical music. We were studying- North Indian classical music? Yeah. What yeah. does that even mean? Like stuff people like Robbie Shankar. Oh, okay, like- that's
0: considered classical music. Yeah. That's good to
1: know. I just got a Shankar record. Yeah, yeah. Got live
0: yeah. in seventy one at his house.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So like people like Robbie Shankar and like Ali
0: Akbar Khan and like there's so you had to learn about the structure of that of the ragas and the
1: yeah and the scales and 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 their whole way of approach of listening to music and and, and hearing and like their whole approach to music. What other stuff? What other type um, of music? I was to, so I, I got exposed to this music called uh, gamelan music, which is from uh, Indonesia. Really? And it's all based off these ostinatos. So they they, they, they create like they might go like da dee da da da, and like so one person will play it slow, and someone else will go ba, da da, and someone else will go da dee uh, da da yeah. dee. So, and they, all these layers, yeah, yeah, create these really amazing kind of like textures and harmonies. So it was like. I was learning that kind of stuff it's was, like almost trance like
0: just even you doing those two yeah sort oh like, man
1: you get caught up in it and then they put a melody on top of that and yeah yeah you know so i was learning that and i was listening to like you know there was like these uh these these irish boy choirs that like had these really crazy textures and there was this music from all over the world i mean i was listening to some music like some native american music that like you almost couldn't even recognize it as music, but, right? <laughs> so, but it had a function, and 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 it, and it really just opened me up to the to the reality that there's anything was possible. Like even like the Northen the classical music. One of the things that was crazy to me is that, you know, those songs long last like two, three hours long, like one right one joint, and like yeah. the people love it. Yeah, I was like oh man, so we have like this. We we think we can only do three minutes. They're doing three hours. <laughs> so anything is really possible. You know what I mean. And also, I think like you know,
0: I, I I've sort of thought my and I and I've talked a little bit about before is that you know, music really is sort of magic. Yeah, you, you know, like it's not like spoken word. You know where where language has you know, so much power. And it's not like what I do, like stand-up comedy, where, you know, you're waiting for a turn of a phrase to get closure. But music, you can actually enchant people, and you can do it over and over again, even with the same piece of music. Like, you know, there's nothing like, you know, like you can listen to the same piece of music over and over again at different points of your life, and either it'll take you back, or it'll take you where it took you, or it'll take you a new place. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that. Did you feel that initially when you're getting into Coltrane, that there's a personal journey? That yeah, it was yeah. not necessarily like a shared experience outside of the guys you're playing with.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's it's more it's almost like it's a um, it's a conversation. Okay, it's like I feel like like music is communication like beyond your control. It's right. Like, it's like I'm going to strip away all of my no, knowledge, uh-huh. and I'm my core is going to kind of is going to communicate with your core. Right. And like so that's what happens. So like you hear Coltrane, it's like you hear his core communicating with McCoy Tyner's. Who's McCoy, communicating with Elvin Jones and Jimmy Garrison? So yeah. they're all communicating, and as a listener, you're kind of like you, you're receiving. And it's just how open you are is how much of it you can receive. That's why I think like this. It's like almost an infinite. It's like you can. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, the big cane. <laughs> you can uh, you can receive a lot or you can receive a little, right? And like so, I, like I find that like over over the years, like I have a piece of music and I like I hear it and like. I'm, sometimes I'm hearing a whole nother part of it that I never even realized was there. Right, you know. Well, and I, I have that experience with your record. Like every time I put it on, because there's so
0: much going on that you know, like you can sort of like move your 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 listening to different elements of it yeah like they're all sort of carrying you through but but you're sort of like you know if I, like i got locked into that coral stuff i'm like what's what is that what is going on <laughs> and then you kind of shift over and you got two keyboards going right yeah, yeah. and then it's sort of like oh my god like it's mind-blowing just the 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 event of it yeah, yeah yeah you know and then when i saw you do a live i'm like i don't know if i can take it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's an interesting way to put it because if a musician is doing his job or doing his art that you know w- when he's done uh if it's recorded you, you walk away thinking like well it's all there you know i did it i did my part so when anyone else is going to do it's really on them Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of like that's sort of what jazz is. It's like people who are like, I don't get it, and then if you're like, well, maybe just sit with it longer. It's like, oh, kind of getting it, and then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, yeah, Yeah. that's the best. That that's the best that can happen.
1: Yeah, right. That's that's why you you rarely hear someone say like, yeah, when I was younger I was into jazz, but I don't like it anymore. But that's not. You know, it's like once you get it. It's one of those things that, because it's so wide. So now let's talk about the epic, because it, it is
0: definitely something to be reckoned with. And it, like, what what I was really excited and impressed about it, about the record, was that, because I listen to jazz, but like I said, you know, I, I'm not in any way, like, I got a jazz encyclopedia over there, and look at the size <laughs> of that book, and that's 15 years old. And it's like, how yeah, am I ever going to even tap that shit? It's quite crazy. I'm like, you know, what? I got to go listen to 90 Zoot Sims records to understand anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so when I put this on and I couldn't stop listening to, it. like, I you got you want to listen to the whole thing, and it's not like I can remember all the melodies and stuff, but I I was completely compelled the whole time, and when I look at it, like this is, it happens with jazz a you look at the titles and you're like, well, this 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 got to mean something. Because it's, there's, a, there's a volume one, a volume two, and a volume three, and they all got titles. <laughs> so there's a whole other level that
1: I may never get to access. So what was the plan? So the plan, so those three different albums are like three different parts of my life. So I, want, I wanted the album to kind of like be a, a, a example of who I was. Mm-hmm. So the plan, like that's that whole time period I told you about, where we, we were young and we were like so intense on yeah. like becoming like we, we read a joke saying like nobody's like i want to be huge in jazz but we really did you <laughs> we, wanted to be what we want i mean we want to be great yeah and we thought that we we were going to we were in high school we yeah. really believed that we had figured out a music that was going to make people understand jazz right because our friends did so I, we all had we all grew up in the hood and we had regular regular extra not deep 40 drinking weed smoking you know yeah regular people friends. Yeah. And we used, I we we used to convert them into jazz heads. Uh-huh. And it was like they would love our music, they would come to our shows at the World Stage and be like into it. Like yeah. these really extra hood people. So we yeah. were like, "Man, we are playing a music that we can like Yeah. We're going to save yeah. jazz <laughs> or, 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 or we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna like, it was like we're gonna save the world we're gonna bring the world to jazz and everybody's yeah. gonna like minds are gonna be open and expanded and like yeah, yeah. so we were we were working really hard we were practicing every day eight yeah. nine hours a day we're going to every jam session like I said every concert even though we have any money yeah. we didn't care if you came to LA we were gonna be at your show right? even if you had if one time we, we ran out of gas and we had to ask uh, 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 we had to ask one of the guys we had to ask ask him for some gas money to get home <laughs> yeah, we yeah. come to your show and ask for money yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you got and what are they going to say It's like we came yeah yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't see a lot of people here <laughs> <laughs> so like we were determined to do that and yeah. then like what happened is out of high school so that's, that was the plan and that music yeah. a lot of that music actually that's the actually, plan like was... it's, it's either from that time period or it's music that I wrote thinking about that time period you know
0: and then The Glorious Tale
1: the, the glorious tale second record is like after high school like we got out of high school and we all ended up on gigs that were not jazz gigs <laughs> yeah where'd <laughs> so, you end up I ended up playing with Snoop yeah you know, Thundercat was playing with Suicide Tendencies. You know, um, Brandon C- Brandon was playing with uh, um, Brian McKnight. You know, um, uh, but Ronald. so you were just working for a living. Yeah, we were all on tour with these yeah. really big artists that we really respected. What were you doing with Snoop? I was playing horns, playing oh, yeah. his horn section. Yeah, on the road. That was fun, huh? I mean, yeah, it was super fun, and, and I learned a lot musically and as far as life too. I learned a lot, so it was important for me. So it was like it was almost like. But I remember we we were all thinking in our minds, like, when are we going to do that thing that we... Yes, when are we going to save the world? Yeah, when are we going to save the world? And so for years and years, we would just... But the opportunities were so cool, and there were artists that were so cool that, like... But you all must have been learning different things. Like yeah. Like, what did you take from the experience with Snoop? Um, like, so Snoop, when I, when, I, when I first got in Snoop's band, like, the first thing I realized was that, like, their whole approach to music was different. Yeah. Like... They were hearing things in music that I wasn't even hearing. Like so what? They, so they tell me they tell me to play a line. They tell me to go like, shut up, butt up, yeah. bow. And I go I play that. I go butt up, butt up, bow. And they go nope. Shut up, <laughs> butt up, bow. Yeah. And I fuck butt up, butt up, bow. And they go nope. That's not it. Because I'm I'm displacing the note ever so slightly. Oh really? And like my phrasing is ever so much different. And yeah. so I was like oh you really are hearing. The microscopic is like that, like, like they hear music almost like, you know, most people hear music like, they're hearing this. Right. And they're hearing like, they're hearing like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So hearing the music chopped up in these little bitty, 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 bitty pieces. Right. And if you're not in the exact right spot with these little bitty, bitty pieces. Yeah. And if your phrasing and your tone and everything else is not exactly right to them, you played it wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, so I, had to, I, so I started hearing music like this, like I was starting to really pay attention. So like where 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 do you want me to play this? How yeah. you want me to play this? And like I would really listen to how exactly you want me to do it, mm-hmm. and like where you exactly want me to put stuff. And it was kind of like the thing of church where like you have to really, you have to feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To understand what you're missing. And he's you know? like one of those dudes that definitely has his own groove. Yeah, he has his own groove, and he's like they're aware of it. It's not like it, I mean they don't they don't necessarily verbalize it, right? But they're hyper aware of it. Like so if you're not like locked into that. That, that special place. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so you, then you're whack. Yeah. You could play a hundred, you could play giant steps at 400 BPMs. Yeah. They don't care. <laughs> Can you play wow, right there and play a light there every single time, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, I, you know, I kind of expanded my mind on, on like the, the, how imp, the, the importance of like the subtleties of music. Uh-huh you know and, and you didn't, never thought you'd learn that from Snoop right nah no. nah no. <laughs> and it made me appreciate to be able to play jazz so like we were on tour with Snoop and we get off the stage playing with 60,000 people and we were in a like because there was a couple of us that were jazz musicians yeah a lot of us were jazz musicians yeah and we'd be like on a hunt for a jam session, yeah, and we show up in our Snoop uniforms. because We had to wear khakis, chucks, yeah. and like a you know, like a jailhouse T-shirt or yeah. something. And we walk in there, and they look at us like,
0: uh, what are
1: "You guys gonna do?" Yeah, and we play Giant Steps and blow them all away, and they be like, oh, "What? What is? What is going on here?" Like, and so we th- we we like doing that too. So it was that's like, fun, man. So it was like you know, not long you get to a town, you'd be like, "Where's the jazz, man?" Yeah, we're done with Snoop. Where can we go to blow this out? Yeah, yeah, and they would look at us like. Yeah. What do you want to play? You want to yeah. play Sugar or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Let's let's play Countdown. And they'd be like, Countdown. You know what I uh, mean? Like, they like... All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, it's too bad you weren't videoing
0: all this. Oh, thing. yeah. It
1: would been mm-hmm. have been funny. It would have been funny. Because, like, I can tell you that people, I mean, almost every time they would look at us it, like...
0: You got nothing.
1: You don't know how to play, jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we would like we loved it too because we were <laughs> we were we were at the at sound check, backstage. All all we were doing was playing. You know, we were playing Eternal Triangle and just shedding every yeah, day. Yeah. It was like I yeah. practiced probably more on the roll with Snoop than I did with, right with with Stanley Clark. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because you're in it with Stanley Clark. Yeah, yeah. And when you're with Snoop, you're just making sure you still got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. uh I learned a lot, you know, and so and and, and so for years we just kept going from one, and so it was almost like you guys were becoming pros, is what you were doing, yeah.
0: And so then that, that second part is you guys coming back together? That second part is that whole time period, basically. When you're apart from each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like,
1: I wrote a lot of songs on the road with Snoop and like uh-huh. it's, it's about that, like, that want to get back. Right,
0: right, and right. And then
1: the third part, the, um, the historical repetition, is basically, like, when I when we went in to record this, it was 2011, Yeah, and I just had a revelation just reflecting, on like, a lot of us are second generation musicians, Yeah, and I, I just saw how a lot of our fathers, like, basically did that. Like, they got their talents it and kind of got wrapped up into using their talents to help someone else basically yeah. and kind of neglected their own music The vision, yeah and oh. so like we we all kind of came to this place and we were like we gotta do our own thing we gotta do it like it can't be next year we gotta do it like right we gotta do it like, right and so we basically quit all of our gigs for a whole month right it's hard to do cause, right like people were like we well, you, you can't do what yeah I can't do anything for t- 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 in December. Yeah, why? Because I'm recording my own music. Why do you need a whole month? Because I'm not just recording my music. <laughs> I'm recording his music and his music, and his music too. So yeah. it was like it was a hard thing to do, but we did it. Yeah, and I and I was just I was that that whole part, that rec- that part of the record is just like my my homage to learning from the past.
0: Wow. You know what I mean, yeah. So the so you would say the third record is the pure new stuff.
1: Well, no. The third record is really it's my it's a reverse. Uh-huh. It's like moving forward in the future. Yeah. Through understanding the past. Oh right, so and the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's about. So that's why I like I'm taking the past and moving it forward. So I, I like all the old songs that we do, we flip them. Like we play Cherokee and we completely flipped it. We yeah, yeah. Play yeah. Claire Alone and we completely trip flip it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Learning from like Malcolm X was like what I learned from reading his books and stuff yeah. like that. And even rerun is like I took a song that we already did and like I'm learning from myself as well. Right. Like looking back to where I was in the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? So Yeah. It's, 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 that's, that was the whole. So That's this the energy of that record. So
0: this is a full life record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right here. Yeah. Now these, when you talk about we, you're saying that all the cats that are on this are, are the guys that you've been with for a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. All, we all grew up together. Like I met, I met Ron on Thundercat when I was three years old. Ron's dad and my dad had a band together. And yeah. So when I was three, I was a drummer. Yeah. And I got a drum set, and so uh, I was at the party and like. Uh, I was playing my drums and yeah. whatever and Ronald Bruno Sr. showed up. And I knew Ronald Bruno Sr., but I don't think I'd ever met his kids. They were like little they were little they were younger than me. Yeah. So like Ronald Bruno Jr. was like this little baby. Yeah. He was like one. Yeah. He couldn't talk. Right. I swear he couldn't talk, man. Yeah. And he got up and he played the drums like a like literally like a 13 year old right. <laughs> he was one and i was like <laughs> what? he was like way better to be i was like what the heck is, what is this what kind of what kind of setup is this it's my birthday <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah
0: now what's the uh what's the deal with this kendrick fella
1: oh man he's a real live genius <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you
0: know um I like his records. I listened to two of the records. I haven't listened to the newest one yet. My girlfriend's a huge fan, and like I'm not a huge like hip hop dude, you know. So like I got to really pay attention. And uh, he, he definitely has his own time zone. That guy. Oh yeah. And he, you? How do you know him?
1: Through uh, Terrence Martin, uh-huh. the guy I grew up with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but he's a saxophone player. He grew yeah. up, he grew up with this playing jazz. Yeah. And this that same band, the motor School jazz band that was yeah, yeah. all in. He was in that band, and um, so. Um, uh, he had a record. His a record just came out called Velvet Portraits. Which is really, really dope. Okay. And so I was working on that record with him. Yeah. And he heard about this is like in, this is in two thousand. This is like before the epic came out. So he mm-hmm. heard about it, but he hadn't heard it. Right. And so I played him it. I played him the record, and when he heard it, he was like, "Oh man, I got something. I need you to do." Yeah. For Kendrick's record. Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Okay." So I, I, you know, I, was he I, producing it or something? Yeah, he's producing it. Yeah. And so he took me in, and like, they played me the record, and I was like blown away. And I, I, first I was just supposed to work on that song, Mortal Man. Yeah. Like that, that 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 skit that happened after it. Yeah. But it was like every time they played the record, someone be like, "Oh, you should put something on this too." <laughs> and that. <laughs> yeah. And that. So, I mean, at the end of it. I ended up playing a lot. Doing yeah, a lot, yeah. Doing a lot, doing a lot of stuff for the record, but um, did you help do any of the arrangements? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was, I was, doing. I was mainly doing. I was mainly doing string string arrangements. String oh yeah, arrangements. and so yeah. you
0: added that whole layer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was that was amazing because I, I was I was there and like and you didn't know Kendrick before I, I know I knew of him but I didn't I never, I never met him uh-huh. I never met him and um you know the the amazing thing that I, I was really struck first, first off was that he was so hands on yeah so like first day one like like okay come on I see, write some stuff to this so I'm like okay you wanna give me the files I'll go home and come back and they're like no <laughs> you gotta write this here <laughs> yeah you, know, you, you don't get to leave with anything yeah so I was like, oh okay, wow. So I like I had like some manuscript paper so I'm just kind of sitting there listening to the music and I have like a little piano set up and I'm sitting there writing and Kendrick is just sitting on the couch watching. <laughs> yeah. And it was but it wasn't like a vibe of like let me make sure you don't do anything I don't want you to do. It was more like I'm just curious to see like how hey. this process works. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I mean, most artists, you don't even meet them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you just yeah. do it and then yeah. you mess around and be at the Grammys. And like, hey. Yeah. Good job. I wrote some stuff on your record. Yeah. Or i played play on your record. And you're like, oh, they're like, oh really? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Is that this <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was so hands-on. And then I would see him do superhuman stuff. Like like one time, Terrace brought, a, brought in a new a new beat. Yeah, And I saw Kendrick just create a whole song while he was hearing it for the first time. And it felt like a complete song. I was like, "Did you just create that right now?" Yeah. Like while I was sitting here, like as you were listening to it for the first time, uh-huh. I was like, "Wow, man, that's that's amazing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So he's
0: got that thing yeah. that you got from Jazzy, you got from Coltrane, that you know, yeah. the that, sort of
1: uh, tapping into the spirit yeah. and being in the moment yeah. and moving through it. Yeah, and he's got it. He's got it full fledged. You know. Yeah. And yeah. So. And it was, and he's also got the got the the spirit of, of of music in that he understands that like, you know, the best music you're gonna get from someone is is who they are. Yeah. You know. Right. So he would really let you do, whatever you wanted to do. Like it was like he wasn't. I was. I felt completely free to right. do what I wanted to do when he. You know. He's like, put some strings on this. I'm like, okay. And so like they kept. You know. You usually gotta like, do something really simple and you try to sneak a little cool thing. Yeah. In yeah. And it was like, nah, man go dude go yeah i was like four-part harmony go five-part harmony go <laughs> yeah. six-part harmonies <laughs> you know and i was like you know it was yeah, like yeah. we were just like i was like all right you sure I, you sure i go this far in and yeah. like yeah yeah go go yeah, so yeah. i was like oh wow this is really cool you don't get to work like this
0: and that was a huge record yeah, it's a huge record
1: and, and yes that's to, to pimp a butterfly yes yeah, and it's such a beautiful and I, I have to say i mean like when i came in they'd already created this beautiful thing yeah and like, i felt honored that they wanted me to i was like what the hell you want me to do this is already so good yeah and they're like nah we hear something that you could do to this and i'm yeah. like wow i mean i was i was blown away that that i was honored to be a part of it you right know?
0: and that's true collaboration yeah like see that's the interesting thing and i think it, i imagine you you recognize in yourself that the evolution from you know the the the, the the original band, the Giants of the Mod what is it? The Modern Giants of what was the first your first Oh Young Oh Young Jazz Giants. The Young Jazz Giants, the evolution outside of your own skill and your own ability to open your creativity was the ability to really collaborate on a big level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So
0: like, you know, when you're you know doing arrangements for, you know, the the basically the small orchestra you put together for the epic that, you know, the, the trust and the, that conversation you're talking about just gets bigger and bigger. And so when you work with someone like Kendrick, I imagine where they're like, we trust you. Yeah. You're a real guy. Do, yeah. do what you do. Yeah, that, that, exactly. that level of collaboration is rare and it's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. What are you working on now? Um, I have a new record. I'm about to start. i um, next month. Actually, I'm. I'm. I'm right now organizing in my mind like what I'm gonna try because I have so much music, so I have to kind of like pick like who, yeah, who, yeah. who, who gets the, who gets the hit today <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and so like um same crew crew. I have some other people that I want to involve in it, too. There's some young guys I've been exposed to uh-huh. recently that are like... Young guys. How old are you? Oh, well, they're young, like 17. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> 17, <laughs> 18. They, they call me Mr. Washington and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can come play, but you got to stop calling me Mr. Washington. <laughs>
0: well, it's was great talking to you, and thank you for uh, for spending the time and, and educating me a little bit and
1: oh man thank you for, for, for inviting me man let, let me hang out with the mushroom and yeah
0: you got it yeah kamasi washington that was exciting for me i i don't i like learning things and i like talking to artists that's what i like to do hey all right let's jazz it up some more now ben ratliff is a jazz critic. He's a guy who writes on jazz. His recent book, Every Song Ever, 20 Ways to Listen in an Age of Musical Plenty, is available wherever you buy books. He's also written books about the most important jazz records. He's written a book on uh, John Coltrane, which I'm trying to, to get, but I had an opportunity to talk to him, and he was out here, and I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn about jazz, but you know, he's a good guy, and I learned about also the life of a critic and what compels somebody towards uh towards that gig so this is me and former new york times jazz critic ben ratliff
2: where do you live i live in the bronx really all the way up there yeah well you got a house up there like past uh an apartment Uh uh-huh uh just in the in the northwest bronx yeah just into the bronx right it's it's Riverdale, right? Riverdale. That's and, it. Yeah. And, and Riverdale has a has a, uh, a part with big houses yeah. near the river, right? And, and a part with you know normal stuff. Yeah. And I'm in the the normal area. Yeah. You've been there a long time? Uh, no, just a couple of years. Oh yeah, but you you've know, been a New York, guy. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Where, where'd you grow up there? I grew up in well, born in New York City. Yeah. Lived in London briefly because my my. Dad worked there. My mom was English. Really, and then yeah, and then Rockland County, north of New York City, yep. most of the time. Yeah, growing up, and then and then I went to Columbia. Columbia. That's what did it. That's what sealed the deal. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm gonna be a New well, York guy. Well, I mean, you lived in New yeah. York. You, yeah. Did you know that Columbia has like the greatest. uh Radio station in the world, no, yeah, and it and and the programming then, Ooh. at least, maybe still now, is about 60% jazz. Mm-hmm. So, as a student, you could go in there and uh, you encounter these huge lockers full of records, yeah, and that's like in 1985, yeah, that, that was the internet, yeah, you know? right, the box, the room full of records, yeah. So, you know, you do, so you do what everybody does. Like, you, you, you figure out what you know, yeah. and then you work backwards. Right. The three things you know, yeah. and then you keep going like, oh, fuck. Yeah. What's this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What led up to the tiny amount that I know? Right. And then you put it all together. Because I think that way.
0: Like, right. I, I, have when I have uh, someone in here who's a musician, and I know that it's not going to make a difference, but I'll I'll buy every one of their albums, even if there's twenty,
2: you and know, I'll sit there and you, do that. You know that's not going to make a difference whether you know a little about the musician's work or a lot. Well, I know that ultimately, you know
0: how I'm going to take it in when I do that. Like I don't have a yeah. lot of time. Yeah, you know, and and I don't and I don't necessarily, I think, arguably, uh, in that respect, research-wise, put the time necessary into into sort of really doing the lifelong. In my mind, it's like. Well, if I'm going to sit down with Neil Young, I got a lot of fucking yeah. work to do. Yeah. But what you don't know is Neil might not want to talk about shit. Right. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. and you know, you, you might only want to talk about one thing.
2: And your entry point, whatever that is, even if it's limited. Right, that was earnest. Means a lot. That's right. You know? That's right. I mean, it's that it's, it's really authentic.
0: Right. But, you know, you don't want to do a disservice to the freaks out there that are sort of like, what, he didn't talk about Zuma. Uh, There's freaks everywhere, right? I know. I
2: mean, pedants.
0: Yes. You know? (laughs) I I, I know. But what you want to do is at least give them something. Yeah. And what I learned over time was that, you know, if I get him in here and he talks about his truck. Yeah. You know, that's going to be more exciting for the nerds than if he get
2: they <laughs> <Right>. get. <laughs> okay, sure. So you want to pre- you want to pre- create something of value to the well, people. Well, who just really so they're like,
0: I didn't even know he had a truck and I've been <laughs> listening to him for 60 years, you yeah, know, whatever it is. Yeah. But I like this idea that like what like cuz you've been a, 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 a what would you call yourself, a music critic mm-hmm. for a long time. You've been mm-hmm. at the New York Times for what? For 20 years yes. over, more than 20 years? 20 years. 20 years exactly. Yes. So you're in you're you're following in big shoes as far as mm. you know New York jazz music reviewers like I does Hentoff Lou March mm-hmm. right sure uh, I don't know a lot of the other ones but him is
2: like mm-hmm. he seems to be the guy sure for years Nat Hentoff and and well, very present to me too as a writer he he would call up sometimes. <laughs> and and, and, say, and say he liked something uh-huh. and he could only be reached by telephone no mm-hmm. no internet or. Anything. oh
0: yeah did he pass is he no he's still around, he's still around? Yeah, so yeah. you still get what are they cranky calls are they like no. i think it's a misread no no, no. really just, good oh really yeah was <laughs> oh, he a mentor of sorts no no you no. no, wouldn't just, give him that
2: just a distant very positive presence
0: oh that's nice yeah. though yeah. like it's history because yeah. he was a definer
2: in a lot of ways right yeah, I suppose so. I mean, he um he wrote books about jazz. He also wrote tons and tons of of liner notes, mm-hmm. you know, on right. like really important records. Yeah. He was in the studio with people he he really got to know people like Coltrane right. and you know. Um So his writing must have been of some value to you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a whole other issue. I mean, I, I guess I'm so I'm such a like sentence guy, uh-huh. um rather than a historian uh-huh. or uh, or a um or somebody who wants to help the consumer decide what record to buy. Right. Like I actually love sentences and so I guess I pay it close attention to people's prose, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. And I I mean, I guess I get more Sometimes I get more juice out of people that I can apply to my own work that aren't writing about music at all. oh, yeah, yeah. so when you say sentence guy, does that
0: mean you're you're more like because in this in your new book, you're sort of seeking to create a, a new context, yeah, yeah, through sure. which people can appreciate music, right. So like it, that's outside, you know, sort of taking from history the idea that there was a time where, there were, there were communities and populations that could only listen to one kind of music. There was a mainstream music, and we all got fed the same type of popular music, and there are people that like classical. There's just country people. But now the idea is that everything is happening all at once with no fucking context. Yeah. So how do you sit with that and be okay with the movement through it? That's right. So so history obviously gets somewhat short shrift in the new system in a way. Sure does. By, by nature. Yeah. But But- and when you say that you're a sentence guy over a history guy, does that mean you go with your gut, that it's a feeling thing, that it's
2: poetry? Is that what we're talking about? I think that uh, music criticism mm-hmm. is a really vital thing. You know, it's, it's not just a service. It's not something dry. It's something about um, interpreting and almost communing with the, the thing you're, you're writing about, the, the music. And respecting it. Yeah, it's a form of respect. Mm-hmm. It is a form of respect. I mean, you could be saying what you don't like about it, but that's still a form of respect that and, you're getting very close to it. Right. And it's it's partially just um the the discipline I came up in, you know, um starting writing about music in the early 90s. Um What were you doing before that? Like let's go back to that that record room. I mean, what yeah. you know, how do you
0: like, you, where, where you, so you, you're you in England for a while, you go to Columbia, what were you studying? I studied classics, uh, Latin and Greek. So you're an English major or a classics, classics major? Classics major. So you
2: read Latin? Yeah. You did all that? Yeah. And what'd you, what'd you take from that? Well, sentence, sentence structure. <laughs> so, this is where a, the love of sentences yeah, came from. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, yeah. Getting really close to, to sentences. <laughs> yeah, and how yeah. Sentences work. For <laughs> yeah. sure, that. And also, I mean, I read a lot of really good literature in Latin and Greek. But then after that, um, I worked in book publishing for six years. Oh, yeah. For and who? For um, Little Brown and William Morrow and As Henry As an editor? Henry Holt. Yeah. Like a baby editor. Oh, baby editor. He yeah. never,
0: he, did you get disillusioned
2: or you just? Um, yes. Uh, and and also at one point I, I was told directly, you know, you're just not going to make it here. <laughs> and I was so grateful to hear that, you know?
0: <laughs> it's it's nice when somebody hits you with some honesty. It really is. Right? Yeah. Were you writing at that time? Yes. But so you
2: I, were going to be a novelist or? No, no. I was really interested in like music criticism specifically cultural criticism generally like who were your guys like northrop fry uh, no um uh, that was too english majory for me i mean i was benjamin uh, what, <laughs> yeah well walter benjamin pretty yeah. pretty cool yeah. um no i mean I, I guess i really read a lot of sort of like mid 20th century um people writing about music but also writing about other arts uh-huh. like um Ralph Ellison, Albert Murray, uh, uh, Manny Farber writing uh-huh. about movies, uh-huh. um, Pauline kale So you saw criticism, both cultural and art
0: criticism, in 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 the way and making a distinguish distinguishing between a reviewer and a critic. That that through the art, you 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 explore all levels of 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 humanity in a yeah. way. Yeah. That, that that's your portal in, that that yeah. you respected the form of criticism, which is fallen away a bit uh, culturally in the sense that I, I don't know that people really appreciate it or understand the difference be- between... Like, if you say he's a movie critic, to would be like, wait, well, he reviews movies? Yeah. They don't understand the weight of it.
2: Yeah. Um, my I have an ideal about criticism mm-hmm. just for, for what I want to do with it and what yeah. I get out of it, which is like... Um, you take something in and you and you are able to isolate the part of it that is maybe essential to it, mm-hmm. but like if you if you took it out, the whole thing would just kind of crumble, yeah you know? yeah, so you get that little piece which is representative right and and you describe it as closely as you can, uh-huh. And the description of it becomes a sort of ritual act, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. and, you're, and by doing that, again, this is like my ideal version of, yeah, but of you're, what I do. But you're a real guy, so well, this means something. Every once in a while, I get close to the ideal, yeah. Most, mostly don't get anywhere near. But, um, you know, and then, so, you know, you all, all you can do is you take a representative part of it, describe it, bear down on it like crazy, interpret it. And and somehow the essence of the thing can sort of rise up through the writing right and when and I just feel like that's it That's that's it. That's that's a lot. That's enough. So that's the job right for me So
0: in this new book you you sort of like do that you compartmentalize that process. Yeah, and then you literally make song lists as examples of your point of essence in each of these different areas that you're using to appreciate music. Yeah, that's kind of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess the book starts with a um, a question and then becomes like a meditation on different ways right. th- of listening. And th- right. the question is like, okay, stop for a minute. Wh- wh- here we are. Um, we have in our pockets... Um, not not every song ever, but but it kind of it can seem like that. Yeah, you know, it's like as as close to what people thought about the Great Library of Alexandria. You know, like like n- not the whole sum of human knowledge ever, but but, close. but like it can seem that way. Mm-hmm. We've got it in our pockets, right? So like, all right, so what are we going to do with it? Yeah, um, and how can we access that stuff that we all have? And are we going to rely on uh, streaming services and and uh, recommendation engines to to tell us what we like. Are mm-hmm. we gonna kind of give them control over our taste, or are we gonna figure out ways to get back in? You know, reach back into the depths of what's there, and um, or surprise ourselves. Surprise ourselves. And there's always the shuffle option. Yeah, there. Sure and and learn how to encounter something new and not be uh, alienated by it learn how to encounter something you've never heard before and say oh yeah that is about me also
0: right mm-hmm. about me mm-hmm. so that's the big that's the big distinguisher yeah that you know there is this sort of element of popular music that has always been there that it's designed in its magical structure uh to to grab you and and make you react somehow mhm and uh, that's always there. You can't, I mean, it, it's there pretty far back, yeah. right? Yeah. And the hook, the beat, whatever it is, the 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 time that the, the song came out, this was designed, you know, we want you to write songs to sell songs. Yeah. We're selling songs to people here. Make them dance, make them feel something. But then there's this more of the world of music to, has none of that intention.
2: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think
0: people realize that that they, I'm, I'm sure they do. But we, you know, even myself, like when I started buying records, you know, I I never knew about like these smaller labels, secondary labels, these home, you know, these kind of like 1,000 pressings of some band that disappeared. That that like it was actually a surprise to me. I guess if I really thought about it, I, I would know it that there was really. There's always mainstream and then you meet the guy at the record store and you realize like oh there's this other thing right. and then you meet another guy that only listens to one weird ass music and you're yeah. like holy shit that's there too yeah. but then you realize like there's a whole other second history yeah to modern music that goes completely unappreciated and unheard yeah. And that kind of blew my mind, how fucking brainwashed we are there's always more, isn't there?
2: there's oh always my more God. so you- but so earlier in this conversation, you were saying like in relation to jazz yeah. and that big blue book right. over there, um, that it it kind of made you feel uh, overwhelmed a little, a little overwhelmed yeah. yeah, and that that seems to be the conversation I keep hearing around music, around the new. Uh, muchness yeah of, like the excessive infinite accessibility It's it, people kind of shut down and go like ah it's too much what do i you know i don't i don't know what to do it, it's 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 intimidating I, and, and what I, do you suggest I, well i just think that we should like why
0: why 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 think that well it's also the decision is it's like is it part of your life or isn't it like you know i went out of my way in recent times, music's always been a part of my life and yeah. I've always wanted to be up to speed on things and, and hear new things. Yeah. But, you know, with everything else going in the in, in our lives, yeah. that, you know, you got to make time to just, not even make time, you just got to put it on. Like, I have those records in there, and I'll just put on records all day. I don't know what they are. And sometimes I'm not even paying that much attention. Right. And I'll just let them go. And occasionally, you know, there's just always music going now. And occasionally I'll go like, oh, what's that? Sure. And then you go in and you like listen to it again. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't, I don't, don't put too much pressure on myself. No. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the key.
2: Yeah. And maybe maybe people are worried that if they listen to too much music, it becomes a selfish act or time-wasting act. Yeah. Or, um... I don't know. I, well, you don't have
0: to. Like, you know, it's your choice. Like, even with that big stereo in there, people are like, you just sit here and listen to records. Sometimes. Sometimes I just put them on like we used to. Yeah. You just go flip it, uh-huh. you know, and keep going. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know what people expect. I mean, your job is. I mean, I saw when we were in the house and, uh, you know, I told you about my new uh, elevated awareness of the kinks. When I put that on, that, like, I looked over at the couch and I and I saw you in, like, what must be your listening mode. Uh-huh. Like, you're like... But there was a lot going on you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah you're like all right i'll give it another shot and uh-huh. he, and, and things were going the yeah. abacus was working yeah and that's a different kind of listening
2: you know what i loved with that was um uh well we were talking about yeah. how uh, I, I i just don't know that record right like, the village pre- green preservation yeah, society yeah yeah it's a blind yeah. spot for right me and um and you're a guy that knows records i mean i'm reading this book and i'm right? looking at this list i'm like Wait, where the fuck yeah. did that even yeah you know, I, I, I don't,
0: don't know even, yeah
2: apparently i'm a guy who likes yeah. music but everybody's got blind spots so that's sure. so that's one i just never got into the kinks that much but um i like i couldn't believe that i was hearing this this famous record for the first time like it was all new to me right nothing was right. coming at me like oh yeah yeah i heard this once nope yeah I, it, you know Totally new, yeah. That's weird. You can do that every day, though. <laughs> yes, you can. That, but that
1: yeah. fits into what you're yeah. saying.
0: Yeah, just like I'm, I'm hearing shit for the first time. Yeah, because we, well, I'm doing it on records, but now the party. What you're saying is that that possibility is is always there now. Yeah, and it's a it's a sort of an amazing thing to have that experience. And but I think we're all prone to thinking like I missed it or it's too late or right. whatever. But all this stuff happens now. It's all happening now. Kind of,
2: yeah. I, I think a lot now about the, the meaning of the past versus the meaning of the present. Yeah, and what do you get? Um, the past is the present. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, uh, the past has great present day meaning. Yep. You know, um, it's all cumulative and relative. And Is this in relation to music? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah. like, I have some in concern. General, sure, maybe, you know? I guess,
0: but, like, it's sort of, like, I have this struggle going on in my mind, too, and I think it's relevant, is just that if we lose the context completely, yeah, you know, how do we learn about progress, evolution, change, yeah. uh, you know, the good things yeah. that we're supposed to get from, you know, surviving? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that scares me a little sure but but with music i i i think it's a little different sure yeah
2: well um there have been a lot of there's been a lot of kind of hand-wringing recently about how like we're you know with music we're just looking backwards all the time now right you know like we're all we're we're into bands that are playing music that sounded like exactly like it was coming from the 1980s right. or the 70s or whatever yeah um, and, you know, there must be something wrong with that. That seems terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, that seems like, like, uh, uh, like a lie or something or like
0: a lie or we're sort of stuck or it's hackneyed or it appropriation yeah, yeah. has
2: taken over originality yeah yeah. yeah 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 I'm not convinced I'm not convinced that it's that it's a lie <laughs> you know. I, th- I, th- I think there's something real about it something authentic about it and maybe this is something actually that I got from uh, from uh, you know a degree in classics yeah just thinking about the past as something that is c- continually influencing the the present. Can we talk about jazz for a few minutes and yeah. then talk about the
0: new system? Sure. The new system. hmm Because, <laughs> like, look, I've always liked jazz, but like I said before, I always feel like I'm missing the key to it. Like, I like listening to it, and I get it, and I can jump on the journey. What do I need to know to sort of, like, you know, and even when I'm reading your Coltrane book, you know, you're appreciating the timing and the space and what he's doing that's differently and where it's coming from. And, it, you know, what I got out of that book was... I know that people say that jazz comes from the blues and I'm a blues guy mm-hmm, like but yeah. I'm a 145 blues mm-hmm. guy just stinky blues mm-hmm. and I can go back in time with that and find those rhythms out of Africa or whatever but like I I don't quite understand the shift from blues to jazz. Sure. How that opens up. Right. You know how does Duke Ellington play in, in you know how did the th- those guys do you, you know
2: i don't know if you have to worry about that so much no i mean i think that i mean you you because you know the one four five you're you're going to be able to hear blues blues language sometimes when it comes up in yeah you know right in in any kind of jazz sure. um but then you know i feel like with jazz uh i mean strong melodies are are nice yeah you know they're and that they're they can be durable and usable through the ages or whatever. But um, jazz is more about, um, like in, in jazz, ma- material is almost yeah. neutral. Uh huh. You know, you, what you're dealing with is it's, you know, it's the whole thing of, you know, it's not what you do, but the way that you do it. Yeah. Um, so. So you're dealing with the sound of a band? Yeah. And 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 how full and integrated and and original maybe this that that group sound is? Right, and how they communicate with each other. How they communicate with each other. Yeah. And um I always listen to the drummer yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah, I listen to the drummer. I I focus on that and and listen really hard to what the drummer is doing. Is he is the drummer is the drummer making the beat different all the time? Right. Um, and how is the drummer connected to the bass player? Right. And then who's 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 following whom? Uh-huh. And um and is it all is it all one? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um that that's that's always my sort of comfortable place to start. Uh-huh. Then then I think about what the soloists are doing. Right, and, right, you know, right. And tone uh-huh. and, and um logic. So I don't need to be insecure. No, no, no! I want, like, what's the point? What'll it, well, What'll What'll no more? What'll have... the insecurity do for you? Nothing,
0: I guess. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Throughout the the entire, the, that's for me. Uh, a a broader question (laughs) i see yeah yeah no i know what you mean you know like i mean that's that is the question (laughs) uh you you know some of it's resolving itself uh, I, i think unfortunately i seem to need to think that i'm uh you know not quite doing it what i need to do well okay do you do you know this This is your other book i mean this is the one i don't have the Essential Library of Jazz, The Essential Jazz. The Essential Library, New York Times.
2: It's, it's the hundred jazz records that, at least in 2002 or whatever that was. Oh, this will help uh, me. I thought one ought to know. Oh, this will help me. You know? Why didn't I have this before? Don't know. But see, the weird thing is, is like, how do you
0: decide that, like, how do you decide this Jerry Mulligan record <laughs> is the record? I mean, he's one of those guys. What's he got, like 30 records out? More so you listen to all of them no <laughs> see so you're not a shit. you're not the guy that has the, the you're not the catalog guy you're not the guy that's like you're okay but it, with
2: making the decision if 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 we had to to know everything yeah. before making a decision about something we would never do anything We'd just be frozen. No time. We'd be sitting there frozen. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. shaking. <laughs> right. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe I should have more acceptance. No, I think I think you can deal with. Um, okay, you know about the new the new way of listening. Then mm-hmm. um, I I think that um, w- like we have uh, the good thing that that that. Immediate infinite access uh-huh. does for us is that um, it can it can give us the sort of outline of a musician's career right really fast right so um, the, the example I always think of is like let's say somebody dies you know like Lemmy dies right and um, and you see it coming up on your Facebook or whatever and mm-hmm. you're like I don't know who Lemmy is so you so you look up that and you know within two minutes. You, you've you got, um, you can see all all the overhead records. Right. And, and you can find a place that tells you, you know, what the best period sure. was and whatever. And you can kind of, you can figure this all out in about an hour. Right. You know, you can see the outline of the whole
0: thing. Sure, between seeing the records and just doing a Wikipedia or whatever. On, yeah. Online, you can kind of get the arc.
2: Yeah. And so I think that's useful for some, for some artists that has, you know, 80 records no it is
0: yeah it it is useful and it's also like the weird thing is is somebody like him where you know that's a sound that's a lifestyle yeah you know that's a uh there's a method there that you know if you're going to lock into that there's not going to be necessarily a lot of new things there's not going to be a period of lemmy unless you go back to hawkwind for those two records where he played bass and sang some that it's going to shift a lot yeah and there's a, there, I guess there's a comfort, but there's also a sort of like if you're one of those people that needs to hear everything, you can kind of like hear the, the the important records and then kind of click through the other nine records. Yeah, to, yeah. All right, so that now I have this. Yeah. What do you, do you What do you think of Kamasi Washington? I really like him. Great, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like him.
0: Now let me just ask you a question.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I'm coming at jazz, you know. I know, like I've listened to it. Mm-hmm. I listen closely to it. I read our Pepper's uh autobiography uh-huh. but when i put on that kamasi record yeah. you know first of all epic and the cover art and the fact that his first record is three records it's like, yeah. no, like th- he means business yeah and i talked to him in here yeah he's a nice guy it's great guy yeah a yeah, smart sweet, guy sweet guy got shit together mm-hmm. but when i put that record on like right away like i was like there's a lot happening here yeah and, and then when I found out that it was all played live, I'm like, the production, this must have taken hours
2: mm-hmm. to
0: sort of like take that and put that here. But he does it all live. Right. That's baffling.
2: Yeah. I think that record would go into the, the density chapter yeah. in, in my book. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, those, the guys in Kamasi's band have all played together since they, you know, for, kids. since they were kids, which is that's so meaningful. Um, because of the communication thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, uh, and the I mean, the, I, I only started to see them. I came out to L.A. like a year before the record came out. Yeah, and I saw that band for for the first time. All ninety of them. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> maybe only ten that night. Okay. Like, I know people out here have known about them for a long time. Yeah. But but in, you know, in New York, we just don't hear about what Kamasi we 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 didn't know about him yeah so and and i had that very pleasant experience seeing him and his band for the first time of like what is going on i don't get it yeah. you know like i don't understand how this group knows what one another is doing all the i just don't get like this right. is mysterious to me but it was oh, great this, right it was really good <laughs> yeah and um I, I've, you, I guess you learn to trust yourself too that when when you have that feeling of like i right. like this i like this a lot and i don't and i don't know where i am right i don't i don't know i don't know what's going on that's a really good uh that's you can trust that that's the magic thing yeah where you like there's something whole here well and,
0: mi- yeah and it's connecting
2: with me yeah music is is mysterious yes like it's supposed to be that way yeah that's why it does you know yeah music is not words
0: yeah, there was a. Co- I can remember all those things, uh, and I imagine that with this this one, the, uh, the the essential jazz library here, this book, the these records, that that there's definitely you can really remember when your mind got blown. Yeah, with music, mm-hmm. and you know, you can remember you know who turned you on to it. You know where because you're. It's usually every time you get you know whether it's you buying a record or whether it's someone going you got to listen to this. It's almost like this portal opens. To an unknown world. Yeah. Where you're like, holy shit. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Let's. I, I feel like we could keep doing this with every artist that we talk <laughs> yeah. about. But I do want to sort of engage in yeah. you know, the 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 desire to create a context where there is none mm-hmm. uh, in this world where we can have anything, anytime. Right yeah. now, you could say, like, can we listen to some throat singing from Tuva? Right. I could be like, hang on a second. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there it is. Yeah. When for the
2: first time I heard that, I'm like, there's a lot going on. I don't know about it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got I got really interested in um I got really interested in the tradition of the twentieth century tradition of music appreciation. Like yeah. the music appreciation movement. There was a um, movement? Yeah, like starting in late 1800s and then going really up to the 50s or 60s. Uh-huh. There there were a lot of a lot of um, books that came out um um with the basic premise of so you want to be a reasonably educated person about music. Right. Here's what you ought to know. Right. Um and it, t- it was an attempt to democratize taste and all, you know. So, yeah. Um, so there were these very influential, widely read books that came out. And, and you know, things that they were taught in, you know, in, in high schools and stuff. Right. Um, and it was really entirely about, just about, just almost entirely about Western classical music. Right. Sort of like Bach to Brahms. And, um, and so, I mean, all that, that movement is totally dead you yeah. know for many reasons Yeah. one of which is that we now understand that the western classical music is just like one thing among many right. out there and um, I thought but there's something about those books that I found really interesting and I thought well if a book like that were to be written now what would it look like and I thought well the first the first thing I thought was it wouldn't be about what the composer wants you to understand right? because listeners have so much more power now so it might be more about what it feels like to listen, you know. So in a way, this book, Every Song Ever, is like a is like a music appreciation book from the listener side of things, right? And instead of um, of writing about music in terms of genres or movements or um, you know, this is harmony, this is melody, this is rhythm, I'm writing the the chapters are based on. Um, experiences of hearing repetitive music right experiences of hearing slow music right ex- you know things that like everybody understands yeah. what slow right slowness is sure. re- repetition yeah. is. you don't need to you don't need to have heard any song right you know to know yeah. what that is right means. um so i just feel like this these could be keys to you know so you like one kind of slow song well maybe you might like another kind of slow song from the 16th century you know that well, you have not encountered com- before or from another continent or from a culture that is that is different from your own or some uh you know experimental musician sure yeah there's a chapter about quiet yeah and si quiet and silence that kind of thing. That, that's different than slow yeah 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 it is <laughs> well, you have
0: to be really slow <laughs> to be quiet i guess <laughs> But, you, but that's it's, but those are the headings of these essays. There's slowness, speed, there's quiet silence, intimacy, yeah, uh, stubbornness and the single note. Yeah. Yeah. And you're able to track it you know with songs. So that's I think that's the beautiful thing about what makes this book you know modern and relevant is that you know I went on Spotify and I checked out the you know, you put together uh, uh, a list. What do they call it? The Spotify. Uh,
2: uh... My publisher, Farrar Strauss, made, yeah. made a made a Spotify playlist of like almost every piece of music I refer to in this book. And it's, it's great. 15 hours long. Right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. In, in these chapters, yeah. like, um, I mean, the sort of s- stealth thesis of the book is that we should all listen to everything you know i mean like what what's why why should we limit ourselves right so um so genre is kind of out the window in this book and um so like the repetition chapter i write about james brown and steve reich yeah and um uh rihanna mm-hmm. and uh i don't know Keisha. yeah Sheena. I. I yeah I I mentioned I mentioned uh, a Kesha song but um just all these all these different pieces of music that that use repetition yeah and I write about what what is it what does that mean how does repetition work on you as a listener what's right. it all about mm-hmm. and this is not a, one of these neurological books about listening no. you know I I'm not a scientist I don't I don't understand that but I can write about it as a listener as an mm-hmm. essayist as to somebody who knows something about how how music works yeah. and um and these are and these are suggestions yeah ab- about about how to think about kinds of listening experiences like these 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 20 ways to listen are not the 20 ways to listen it's just a way it's it's to get people thinking about how they can about how they're how they're good listeners right and also you know?
0: and, and i think the the biggest trick in terms of people that will be interested you, you know um that want to think about this stuff, you know. I think as uh, as a critic, and also as somebody, you know, who wants to have an open mind and be an educated, sophisticated person. Yeah, I think mostly uh, what stops people from doing it is like that sucks, right? And and then and then what stops people from opening their mind is like who the hell's that guy? Also, there's <laughs> so there's a thing of like.
2: Who the hell is this, Some, this Ratliff dude? Yeah. What does he know? Well, there's that. <laughs> I'm familiar <laughs> with that. But then there's the thing, when you're listening, yeah, there can be that reaction of, somebody like me doesn't like that kind of music. Right. Someone like me, this music is not for someone like me. Right. I, I, ah, that bothers me. Yeah,
0: it bothers me, too, because, like, a lot of times, like, I I mean, I've, I I, don't think I've quite said that. What I usually say is, like, I don't know a lot about that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know, like, because when people go hip-hop, I'm like, I, you know, I didn't grow up with hip-hop, so it's not, like, it's not a fundamental to me. Yeah. But, like, I, I've i listened to a few, you, you know, uh, Connie records, Jay-Z records, Cypress Hill records, you know, even going Ghetto Boys records. NW, I mean, I've listened to those over and over again, but for me... The primary reason with rapper hip hop is like I'm not fundamentally a lyrics guy. And the the amount of active listening I have to do is a
2: little a little hard. I was going to ask you about that. You know, cuz we were listening to that Kinks record. Yeah. And everybody talks about Ray Davies being a uh, being really good with with lyrics. words. Yeah. He is. Um and I was about to confess to you that I think I'm maybe not words are not really su- the highest priority for oh, me. Not me either. I mean, I, I love words. <laughs> I rarely
0: know what but, they're saying. Uh-huh. And yeah. it, it's weird because I don't process it. And like, I've had to recently try, you know, there's certain songs like, there are certain songs I know the words to. Yeah. And blues songs, there I know the words to. Some Velvet Underground songs, some, yeah, but sometimes words aren't even easy to hear. Yeah. I like there. you know, country songs, I can take the words and I enjoy listening to them. But, but for the most part, you know, I, I'm listening for... For tone and for mood and for rhythm and for how I feel, you know, and it's it, uh, rarely until. And I'm a I'm a writer guy. I like poetry, yeah. but when it comes to music, I'm not. It's not my first thing. I want to rock.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. You want that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I do. That, that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 motion. Yeah. You want that feeling of yeah. motion. Yeah. Yeah. But so back to jazz for a minute. Sure. I mean, you're a you're a stand up comedian. Yeah. So so you know about improvising. Right, but
0: like I just recently, like as of the last two days, you're, you're getting me a good, good day
2: here, yeah. that, you know, you hear about that. Yeah. You hear about riffing. Uh, I want to talk about that word. Okay. C- can we do a little sidebar sure. now? Sure. Yeah. R- um, riffing. Mm-hmm. I always understood r- the, r- the riff to mean like a short, repeated statement. I you think know? that is, yeah. Like, right no 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 whatever. Yeah, power riff. A short thing repeated. Right. You know? But then, I think maybe in comedy, the word took on another meaning, oh, yeah? which is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, improvising, improvising, going all over the place, Right. never necessarily coming what back. What do jazz to guys it? call it? Uh... I don't know. I mean, in jazz, we, we talk about riffs being those short, repeated statements. Uh-huh. Know, like Ellington wrote great riffs. Or right, right. The catchy riff, thing. Riff tunes. Sure. With, um, I don't know. But anyway, I feel like the it's, it's one of those curious words that has, over time, changed its meaning completely. Uh-huh. And so, I wanted to ask you, like, riffing, well, what, have you always been aware of that word, to mean... Yeah, just going, going on. Yeah, I thought that's what it meant, and never necessarily. I never but, back to, but point I a. knew the
0: definition you're telling me, yeah. but I never really thought that there was something. In, like, I know a power riff. Yeah, 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 and that, and they're important. Yeah, you know, like that. People talk about the the riffs that have defined rock music, uh, right? Sure, but riffing, I guess, yeah, maybe it has taken on a different meaning, but it does mean improvising. So let me shift yes. it yes. in terms of like, like I had this realization about what you and I think I might have gotten it you know in some ways from reading the amount that I read in the Coltrane book was that because I I write improvisationally I don't write jokes like it all happens on stage it all has to be organic it all starts with conversation it all starts with me thinking out loud and finding it that's just the way I do it I've always done it that way Uh, it's not an easy way to do things right but it takes a certain amount of confidence and willingness to to to, you know run into the dirt yeah you know you can fucking go and then you just end up in a ditch yeah uh, but you start to find the things that work and then like for me it's always been about like well get, there's other places that you can go further mm-hmm. so wh- what i do is that if i'm on stage and i and i have a premise and that gets a laugh in that moment if i'm feeling it you just keep going Mm-hmm. And and then and that's how that's how I write. Like I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it's delivered from. But it's that moment where that happens for the first time, and I'm like that. That was the whole show for me. Like they can walk out after an hour and go like I really like the show, and I'm like yeah, but that one line, that that was it. That <laughs> uh-huh. was, that was what was delivered, uh-huh. and I know that. But like you were saying with Coltrane and these cats, is that once you lay down the groove and the structure there, like the blues. Like that's, I think, what I'm drawing from essentially uh-huh. is that whatever the one four five or whatever the minors are, whatever they add to that, that you know, that's that's the groundwork, and that's where you depart from, and you can land sure. there. Sure,
2: right. That's that's right. That's that's the groundwork. That's the uh, the framework. Right. And the or the consensual language between a group of people. And that I started to realize more concisely about
0: what I do. Not to, I'm not tooting my own horn. It's just the way I work that. You know, you do it innately. It's like, well, here's the shit. We're warmed up, table set. Now let's go. And I'll come back later.
2: Right. Right. You know what I mean? But you also must be really proud of certain things you've done that involve brilliant structure. Well, that's the last special I
0: did. I was very clear about it. I'm going to repeat this shit. Yeah, and I'm going to get it tight. Yeah, and there's going to be callbacks. Yeah, and it's all going to come around at the end. Right. And there's a you know there's a, a little bit of an arc to it. Right. It's a piece. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But I'm I'm not fundamentally like that because I like I don't know if it comes from the insecurity or not. I like it when it's sort of loose and like I can walk away going like I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But but that's an act too on it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But in in the book, what you do throughout it all. Is you you provide this this context of appreciation? Mm-hmm. That's really what you're doing. And yes. I guess what I was saying before was that even when I read a book like this, there are moments where you think that it's not so much of a, a pressure on me as a listener, or you know whether or not I trust you or your tone. It, it, there there's something that implies, like you know, like nah, I got homework. You know, in some level, in a way. So like in the sense that like I'm listening to the Spotify list and I'm enjoying it and I'm Mm -hmm. going through stuff and I'm I'm seeing how it connects to, you know, the essay headings and, Mm -hmm. you know, what your point you're trying to make. But I think that's one of the reasons why just in general, politically, personally, otherwise people don't like change. They don't Mm -hmm. like uh, new things necessarily Mm -hmm. because they're set in their ways. Mm -hmm. But I think what you provide here is this this if they look at the book. As a you know, kind of a, a fun, you know, process. Yeah, that you know you can open minds because you, you, you know how many it doesn't matter if people go back to it, it just matters that you know you've widened
2: the, <laughs> the the perception. That's it. That's right. It. Yeah. And um, like I mean, I see that I, I feel that that is its own virtue. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like you know, what what good is it to know about um cuban music if you want to know more about punk it, it, in a way it doesn't it doesn't make sense but i just feel that it, it gives you a wider frame of reference yeah. having, having a wider frame of reference is just intrinsically good no absolutely and that but also that was the job i stepped into 20 years ago Is like um uh you know one of my predecessors was this guy uh, robert palmer yeah i remember and, him and he And the people that followed him. He was a rock guy, though, primarily, wasn't he? But he wrote about jazz and Cuban music and African music and whatever. And he was just, he was wide open, you know. And by the time I got there in 96, that was kind of what I was expected to do. And it was amazing that that, that the expectation was that, you know, I'd be writing about um, Ornette Coleman one day and... um, Janet jackson the next day right you know and a a metal band so that was part of your education oh yeah yeah and i'm i'm really grateful for that i specialized knowledge is a weird thing i mean you know having having done this kind of work for a long time i'm I'm always running into people who know everything about this you don't want to be that guy though no i don't no and i'm glad those people exist because they're very very helpful for an hour sure yeah yeah <laughs> you know, yeah or,
0: or in small doses yeah because they because they're that see that's the 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 nerd element of that mm-hmm. of the specialized nerd mm-hmm. is so control oriented and and also sort of like you know I know it all yeah yeah but you're right they're useful. But, you know you, you have to limit your coffee time
2: I also don't want to feel like I own anything yeah you know I don't want to feel like a sense of um, p- property right. a- about any, yeah, yeah. any of this you know um, um, and and wa- or wanting to patrol it right uh, um, I just want to, I want to connect things yeah you yeah. know like I want I want to describe interpret connect
0: so you're, you're gunning for the uh, the thing. Like we talked about before, the one thing that if it wasn't there, yeah, everything would fall apart in music in t- as an entirety. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's it. Oh, boy. That's it. Yeah. You want to pull the curtain back. You're probably, I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be a lifelong thing, I think.
2: Well, also, again, it's like the results of of the training because you go to a, con. we don't really write about concerts anymore in, mm-hmm. in the New York Times. It's kind of weird. Or we, Why or- is that, you think? Um very recently the the it's been understood that the the most concert reviews don't get read widely enough, so we' why' because people think like well, I was not there, or is there another one coming up or? that's definitely part of it, yeah, but I think maybe people are tired of the box with text in it called review, right, oh yeah, I yeah, think yeah they want yeah. something different, yeah yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, so um. Uh anyway, I you know for twenty years, I go to a concert, I've got my notebook. Uh-huh. I just write things down because it's a habit, but I don't use practically anything right that that I've written down. Right. What it comes down to the next morning when I'm writing is I remember something, just a little detail, yeah, yeah. one or two things, right. and that's where I'm gonna start from it, that the act of writing sometimes just solidifies it in the brain, yeah, yeah, you know? so do you dance? Um, a little. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I I move. Oh, good. I move. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. No, I mean, I, I'm. You know, uh, I don't. You mean, do I go out and dance? Do I go to clubs to dance? Well, no, I mean, like no. at home, like you know, when you're listening, To your guy yeah. who listens to a lot of music. Yeah. Do you move? You, you sure. move around a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Oh, good. Yeah, right. yeah. Go I want to. I want to know how that feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. like, um, that's sort of what it's all about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Engagement on sure. Yeah, yeah. To get something going. Yeah. You know,
0: I don't do it out, out in public as much. Sometimes I'll do it at home a bit. You know, I'll feel it. You know, yeah. I don't know why. Like, I think someone's got to write a book about dance that, like this book. Like, I, I think it feels like dancing is a joyous thing that, like, we're all a little embarrassed to do. Like, I, you know, like, I think that if everybody danced a little bit, like maybe if there was a dance break yeah. during the day in this country, like other countries take naps, it might, yeah. it might be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great idea yeah dance day that's a really great idea well it was good talking to you do you, you feel too. like we did it
2: I think we did, did it. something I think we did it yeah
0: yes you want you want to hear uh, of uh, one song of that remixed get your yayas out on my system yes I do <laughs> all right Ben thanks for talking thank you okay that was a pretty full episode I hope you all go out and buy some jazz records get that epic. Kamasi Washington. Before we go, go to WTFpod.com for all your WTF pod needs. No music today. I got to go to set. I'm shooting a thing. Glow. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I'll tell you more about that. I will tell you a little a little tidbit here at the end, but um you know my character, you know, has a, a you know, mild propensity to do a little blow occasionally. So uh, I wanted to make sure I got that wet inside the nose vibe. So uh, I was doing that thing that those of you who do blow know, where you take a little water and you snort a little water, dump a little water in your hand, or run it under the sink with your fingers and pull it up into your nose. So I was doing that out in public. So um, at least one or two people on set probably think I'm really doing blow. But I'm not. Boomer lives!